Is your church safe for real people? That is what the sermon is about today. We, as humans, we don't come to church or faith in a neat little box wrapped in a nice little bow. We come with hurt. We come with sin. We come with baggage. And today's message is about that. How are you to receive people who believe in Jesus Christ? Too many times, we who are Christians, we become gatekeepers. Well, they don't look like how I want them to look. They don't vote the way I want them to vote. They struggle with sin, and that makes me uncomfortable, and they don't play a part, so I don't want nothing to do with them. Many churches stay at the surface level of how are you doing on Sundays. I'm good. I'm fine. And don't don't get past that, because I if I see your faults, that will make me realize I'm not perfect, and I need I need to portray something that I'm not. None of us is perfect. I loved the old Christian movie years ago called The Gospel. It's about it's about uh, a musician coming back home and wanting to help take over his dad's church, and at the end of the movie. The father says, there's no perfect churches. If you're looking for a perfect church, it stops being perfect the moment you and I walk in. That line stayed with me throughout my ministry. Excuse me. When I went through my hard 2020 and my hard 2021, I was pushed away by the way Christians treated me. I am talking as a pastor who has theology degrees, who have been serving in ministry for 20 plus years. No one asked me how I was doing. No one asked me about my heart, what I was going through. They just assumed and assumed and assumed and judged. Well, if Pastor Mike is going through this, he must be doing something wrong. And they did that to a pastor. And that made me look side-eyed to the church and Christians. Thankfully, I'm on the other end of that. But just think if you were just an average Joe. Or a single mom. Months ago, I attended a so-called revival. And this evangelist told this story. I don't buy it one bit. I don't buy If he did this, he is a goober. He is a... I don't want to cuss. He told this story of he, he was out at a park. And this woman was crying. She was a single mom. I don't know what made him fixate on single moms. I don't know if he th- he saw single moms in our church. But 
He spent 30 minutes talking on this story. He went up to her and he goes, man, what, what's wrong with you? And she told him her plight. And he said, well, the reason why you're having a hard life right now is because you're sinning. You got to close your legs and you have to stop having kids. There's no way he did this. This is a fictitious account. I don't know why people do this, but they get up behind the pulpit and they tell these incredible stories of great sinners that just not, it, it just, no right human mind would do that to a human being. But sadly, what if a single mom came into your church? Let's say she has three kids, three different dads. How are they going to be embraced? You know, we live in a day and age where people don't even know the basic Bible stories of the Bible. They don't know why God called Abraham. They don't know why what happened with Noah and the ark. They don't know the significance of Jonah and the fish. They don't know why they need Jesus. If you're expecting someone in our culture to come into your church with a master of divinity, knowing the ins and outs of the Bible, you're going to be greatly disappointed. You don't need a theology degree to know Jesus. You need Jesus. In the in the in the in the purpose of the church is to help everyone come to know him better, to know him and make him known. I say that a lot in my sermons because Christians are forgetting that it is our job, our calling, our purpose to know him and make him known. Is your church safe for real people? Okay, I want, if you're watching this on Saturday or Sunday, you're, you're a regular uh, attender of a church, I want you to ask yourself this. And if not, why? But today's text, we are going to be looking at um, Matthew 7. You probably noticed that verse 1 is misquoted a thousand times by people who just want to um, justify their sin. But let's see what Jesus is really saying here. On the end of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Okay. I'll give you a minute to turn there if you have a Bible. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Okay. Just not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the major you use it, you will be majored to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, 
let me take this back out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clarity to take this back out of your own brother's eye. What Jesus is saying is, get your crap together, Christians. Get your life together. And the reason why you kill sin in your life, the reason why you grow your love for Jesus, is so you can help other people grow their love and joy for Jesus. We are not called to be the sin police. We are not called to go around whacking people who are not a long, far along as you in knowing Jesus. Too many times, people lord this over people they, in, the, in the name of accountability. It's not accountability if it's not two ways. If you don't have humility about you and you go to people and you're like, you got to stop that, Bob. I'm not going to do crap about my walk, but hey, you better not, you better not do that activity. I, as a pastor, as a regular Christian even, have experienced crazy Christians who want to control people's lives, their behavior. You've got to be at church every day. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Sunday, every Sunday, you got to volunteer here, you got to do this, you got to do that. You can't listen to that music, you can't watch that TV program. It's all control. It has nothing to do with truly following after Jesus. A couple of years ago, during, we all know that June is Gay Pride Month, right? Well, a church had a prayer rally, okay? It wouldn't even got the ray, it wouldn't even got a blip on the radar, but the pastor uh, uh, advertised it as a counter protest to gay pride. What? And See, what happened is the the purpose of the prayer rally got lost because people started arguing with him online about the the anti, calling it anti-gay or whatever. They did that because they knew that would get people's attention. It's not your job. To do that, you're not. That's not a PR move for Jesus. That is a PR move, so you can look like you're taking a stand. You're being bold. If you just had a prayer, a quiet prayer meeting for your church, no one would have, no, no one would have batted an eye, right? But you wanted, you wanted to uh, move the radar in our social media, uh, uh, intoxicated. Uh, uh, culture, how many people were changed by that so-called prayer route? Not a one. Not a one. Because Jesus got lost in the mix. Years ago. 
years ago. And, and this story breaks my heart as a pastor who, who has been judged so many times as a Christian with cerebral palsy. I, I once preached to uh, a school, okay, at a, at a school event. I talked about how God uses my disability, my thorn of cerebral palsy. And the teacher got fixated on me for years. She would message me almost daily telling me that I need more faith to be healed, that I am robbing my son of a real dad. I know better. I know the Bible better than that. I know that Jesus is enough. That his grace is sufficient for me. That my thorn, my CP is for his glory. But not everyone knows that. What if I was just a dad whose kid attended that school and, and the Christian teacher kept doing that too. And, and my kid later on became a student at that school. Okay? And what if I was just a regular dad that maybe been a Christian, maybe not a Christian, but I'm encountered with that type of gatekeeping Christianity. Jesus don't love me? Because I'm not healed? Truly? Is that what you're really saying? Jesus doesn't love me? Because of X, Y, and Z? Homies. The world knows what we stand against. It's time to show them who we're for. It's time to show them that we're about Jesus. Okay? Let's read the text one more time together. Verse 5. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Church. Be safe for people. Real people. Flawed people. Sinners and saints alike. Because even after Christ, it's a long journey of maturity. You just don't become the Apostle Paul overnight. Okay? Remember where Paul came from. How his story with Jesus started. He started opposing Jesus. And his story ends with being used to write 13 books of the Bible. And he dies for Christ. That's how Paul starts. So the person, the wayward person, the flawed person, the immature Christian that comes to your church may be a starting point of an amazing life for Jesus. And our church, your church, can become part of their journey or 
you can become a stumbling block for them. They'll get to Jesus, but they shouldn't trip over us to do it. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your son. We love you. We want to be used by you. We want to be grace givers and not gatekeepers. Bring broken people to our churches and let them be loved on by us. Let them see Jesus in the way we love. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, guys, I hope that you have a great uh, weekend worshiping the Lord. Limp on, limp well, and limp loved. God bless everybody.